Welcome to the Sadler Lectures podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. In book 11 of Marcus Aurelius's Meditations, we get a really chock full passage in chapter 18, listing off, at least officially, nine gifts from the muses that are remedies for anger and other kinds of being upset. And then it's going to turn out that there is a 10th one from Apollo. And I think we can also say that there's at least two more that are packed in there. And so we're going to go through each of these. And Marcus is telling us really about three quarters of the way through that we should keep in mind, memneso, right? So to remember, to recall, keep top of mind, you might say, these nine points, which in Greek are kephalon or the beginnings of chapters, you could even say. So each of these can be expanded out into its own mind said its own exercise, its own insight to be practically applied. And he's listing them off with a little bit of discussion with some of them. And we should keep in mind each of these nine points. Why nine? Because there's nine muses. And so the muses are said to put ideas into people's heads. So look at these wherever they come from, whether you get them on your own from somebody other than Marcus, from Marcus himself. Look at them as sort of divine gifts that are there to be remedies for falling into anger, hatred, being upset with your fellow human beings, or perhaps even with uh, other things, non-living things, you know, not allowing the weather to tick you off. But these are mostly about human beings. So the first one, he talks about my relationship, schesis, uh, with others. So the ways in which we are arranged in relation to each other. And what is that? Well, you know, we can talk about like emperor and subjects, but he says, we came into the world for the sake of each other. That's part of what it means to be a human being from the Stoic perspective. We're not just individual isolated beings that can do whatever the hell they want so long as they don't transgress anybody's rights. No, we are more positively here for each other. And he says, or from another point of view, I came into it to be their guardian as the ram is of the flock and the bull of the herd. That's an idea he probably got from Epictetus. We find this in his discourses. So, you know, he's held to a higher standard getting angry will interfere with that. So reminding himself of the relationships that he has can be quite helpful. And we can do that as well, even though we're not emperors with our own relationships. The second, he talks about how, you know, people are driven by their beliefs, their dogmata, what it is that they think about things. And so he says what they're like eating, you know, when they're at the table, what they're like in bed, how proud they are of what they do. And all of this is a matter, again, typical Stoic doctrine of what it is that these people are thinking. So if they screw up and tick you off, that's because they're doing the things that are, you know, in accordance with the way in which they see the world. The third is kind of related to this. So he says, if they're right to do this thing, this thing that bothers you, then you have no right to complain. You shouldn't get angry at them. Actually, don't even complain about what they're doing. Don't raise a fuss. 
But if they aren't doing the right thing, then you need to remind yourself about certain things that pertain to people doing the wrong thing. What are they? They're doing it involuntarily or out of ignorance. They're not doing it just because they choose evil for its own sake. And he says, all souls are prevented from treating others as they deserve, just as they're kept from truth. How? Unwillingly. Nobody wants to be in the dark. I mean, you could say, well, wait a second. What about people who deliberately choose bad information sources to confirm their biases? Well, that's because those dummies actually think that's the right way to behave. So on some higher level, they're mixed up about what's actually true. They're suffering from ignorance or they're being driven by their emotions. Well, they're being driven then by something that is not uh, up to them to a large extent. So he says, this is why people resent being called unjust or arrogant or greedy, any suggestion they aren't good neighbors, they don't like that because they think that they're actually doing the right thing. So if you can keep that in mind, even though they are doing the wrong thing, then you don't have to get angry at them as a result. The fourth one, Marcus reminds himself that you too sin. If we want to translate hamartanes, the word for sinning or making mistakes or falling into error, you also do that kind of stuff. And somebody might respond and say, well, I don't exactly the same things as other people. He says, well, there's some you've avoided, but you still have the potential, right? So you didn't sleep with your neighbor's wife, but you could have, you could have been seduced. You didn't embezzle from, the till, you know, stealing some some bills. Well, you didn't have the opportunity, but you could have. That's not beyond you, right? We all can screw up. And he says, even if cowardice kept you from them or fear of what people would say or equally some equally bad reason. So you didn't do the wrong thing, but that doesn't mean that you're not capable of doing the wrong thing. So, you know, be a little bit more forgiving or understanding towards other people who do, in fact, fall into error and do the wrong thing. He also says, speaking of mistakes, and this is number five, you can't always be sure that what the person is doing is actually a mistake. It could be a mistake from one perspective, but not from another. He says a lot of things are means to some other end. You have to know an awful lot before you can judge other people's actions with real understanding. You know, so a prime example of this would be people who suffered some terrible trauma and they've got a unproductive way of dealing with that. And you look at them and you're like, they're choosing to do the wrong thing. And you can say, yeah, okay, they are choosing to do the wrong thing on some level, but they're doing it as a coping mechanism. It is a means to an end of like not feeling like crap or not having to deal with horrible memories or pick whatever else you want. We don't actually know what ends are being served until we get to know the person quite well. So, you know, we don't have to take it personally when they do things that we think in in general are wrong. The next one, he says, when you lose your temper or even feel irritated, right? So when you're getting angry, remind yourself that human life is pretty short. Think about the years and years and years when we didn't exist, the years and years ahead when we won't exist, and this little brief moment of perhaps 80 years that we get if we're lucky. And that helps put things into perspective. Those people that you're angry with, they could die tomorrow. 
You never know whether you're going to have a chance to actually, you know, guide them to the right way or be reconciled with them. You know, maybe it would be better not to get so angry with them. He says, before long, all of us will be laid out side by side, corpses in the catacombs or cemetery or, you know, funeral pyre, pick whatever else you want, right? So that can be quite helpful. Number seven. He talks about why we get upset about things. He says, it's not what they do, other people do, poyen, right? What they, the actions they engage in that actually bothers us. That's a problem for their minds, not ours. What bothers us? So it's translated here as misperceptions. More literally, it's our assumptions and presumably misguided assumptions. Hupoleipses. This is a term that Marcus uses quite a lot sometimes translated as perceptions or opinions, but the better translation for it is assumptions or or judgments, right? So it's those things that get us angry, bothered. He says, discard them. Be willing to give up thinking of something as a catastrophe and your anger is gone. So, you know, what would be a prime example of this? You go to a restaurant and you order something and, you know, you've got kind of a very specific order and you make sure that the, the server knows it and it comes to the table and it's got the onions on it that you can't stand and didn't want and made sure that they wouldn't do it. And somehow the cook screwed up, right? It's not something that you have to get angry about because it's not a catastrophe. Right? It's not that big of a deal. Pick the onions off, right? Or if you can't pick the onions off, maybe order another thing. So he says, how do you do this? Recognizing you've suffered no injury, no disgrace, unless this is the only thing that can hurt you. You're doomed to commit innumerable offenses. You know, so don't let these things get to you. Another thing that he says, number eight, getting angry. Orge and grief, lupe. These things are, now the translation here is how much more damage, anger, and grief do than the things and cause them. But damage is only one aspect of that. Literally, these two emotions, anger and grief or pain, are more difficult. Halapoteron, right? Halapos means difficult. And so halapoteron means, you know, more difficult than other things. Don't let yourself fall into anger and you won't have to deal with the difficulties that arise out of feeling angry or feeling grieved over things. And then the ninth one, we got a long discussion here. He says, it's kind of interesting, kindness, eumenes, which we can translate as kindness, being, being a gentle, being nice to other people, um, looking at them as if they're not bad, being good to them, he says is unbeatable. Aniketon. This, this comes from the Greek word nike, to have victory, to have success, to triumph over. So kindness can't be beaten. Nothing can triumph over it if, he says, it's sincere. Gnesion, right? So fake kindness very quickly can be beaten. He says, not ironic, not an act. And the, the not an act there is translating hypocrites, right? It's not what an actor is doing. So he says, what can even the most vicious person, the hubristic person do if you keep treating him with kindness and gently set him straight? If you get the chance correcting him cheerfully at the exact moment he's trying to do you harm. No, no, my friend, that isn't what we're here for. It isn't me who's harmed by that. It's you. You're hurting yourself. 
and show him gently and without pointing fingers that it's so, that bees don't behave like this or any other animals with a sense of community. And notice what else he says. Don't do it sardonically or meanly, but affectionately with no hatred in your heart and not ex cathedra, not from up on top or to impress third parties, but speaking directly. So if you can talk to somebody in the right way, now you don't control their own reactions, but it makes it much more likely that they can hear you and realize that they're doing the themselves damage, injury, a disservice by being bad to you. By being kind to them, you create a situation where there's some space for them to start doing things right. Now, Marcus is going to say a few more things, which will count as number 11 and number 12. But towards the end, he actually says, oh, here's another thought from Apollo, right? So we got nine muses and Apollo. And what is that? This is a very good one. To expect bad people not to injure others is crazy. It's to ask the impossible, right? So don't have unrealistic expectations about bad people, phallos in Greek, covering a wide range. Everything from like people who are kind of screw-ups to the completely vicious and, and awful people and everything in between. They're going to behave the way they're going to behave. And part of that is a product of, you know, what it is that they, they think and the mistakes that they make and their judgments and ideas. It's silly to expect that somebody who you know hates you is going to treat you nice, right? And he goes on and he says, to let them behave like that to other people, but to ex expect them to exempt you is arrogant. Now he's talking to himself as somebody who does have a lot of authority and power and prestige. He says, that's the act of a tyrant. So if they're going to act like jerks to their peers, to people below them, they're going to act like a jerk to you too. And to expect them to not do that because you happen to be the emperor, kind of unrealistic. For the rest of us who are not emperors, well, maybe we have to be even more realistic about this. I mentioned there's two other points that he's going to make, and maybe people would number these differently so that there's a 13th, but I, I think it's good to say that there's 12. So he says, along with not getting angry or gizane at other people, try not to pander or flatter them either. Don't be a kolax, a butt kisser, as we say, or brown noser, right? Both of these, he says, are forms of selfishness. A koinoteta. So koinos means common or, you know, together. And so these are ways in which we set ourselves apart from everybody else. So selfishness in the sense of like treating ourselves as if we're just the individuals who matter and we're not connected to other human beings. So we should avoid anger and we should also avoid flattery. And we can remember that these are forms of selfishness. And then he says, both of them will do you harm, both kissing people's butts and being hostile to them, getting angry, taking offense. The 12th one, he says, when you start to lose your temper, remember. So when you're falling into anger, remember this. And this is about manliness or virility. And it's kind of interesting. It could also be extended into courage, which is uh, connected with that linguistically. So anger, getting angry, thumasthai, losing your temper, isn't manly. Andrikon. A lot of people think that it is. It's macho. It's, you know, being a real man. Marcus is saying, nope, not at all. Getting angry at people isn't being manly. It's actually being a wimp. It's being a weak person. 
not really a man at all. Why? Because a real man behaves differently than that. And then notice what he's going to do. He's going to sort of extend the consideration. So you might say, well, this doesn't apply to women. No, no, it does. Because he says it's courtesy and kindness or gentleness. Ta praun. This is the word for restraining one's anger, being in charge of one's emotions, having what we call these days emotional intelligence, right? This is distinctively not manly, but human. It belongs to the anthropos, the human being, to actually be gentle with other human beings. And then he goes on, he says, that's who actually has strength, ischrus, right? And nerves and guts, not angry whiners. To react like that brings you closer to impassivity and so to strength, meaning to, to be gentle with others. Pain is the opposite of strength. So is anger. Both are things that we suffer from and yield to. So if you want to be a real man, you need to get your anger under control, Marcus is saying, to himself and to us. And if you want to be a decent human being, well, you have to go beyond just controlling your anger and actually show gentleness, restraint, kindness to other people. So these are 12 different considerations that might help you to control, understand, deal with your anger. Marcus is, of course, addressing these to himself, but we are so fortunate as readers that we have this nice listing with all of these, and I I would say practices that reinforce each other. You do these and you will ideally be less and less of an angry person over time. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. Once again, to support my work, go to patreon.com Sadler. Above all, keep studying these great philosophical works.